welcome to a special edition of Her Story on the Rocks. Now, typically, I'd be sitting here with my co-host, Katie, and we would be drinking and talking about famous women from history. But sometimes we like to talk to women that are making history and writing about it. Today, we have a special guest, Elodie Harper. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Elodie has worked as a journalist, a reporter, a producer. She's also a prize-winning author who has her degree in English literature from Oxford. And she's here to talk to me today about her new book that just came out about the lives of women in Pompeii, The Wolf Den. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you so much. Yes, so I work as a journalist, but this is my first um, novel of historical fiction. It's called The Wolf Den, as you say, and wolf den in Latin meant both brothel and, uh, sorry, lupana in Latin rather, meant both brothel and wolf den. So that's the title of the book. It starts in a very famous brothel in Pompeii. It reimagines the lives of the women who work there um, from their point of view. So I really wanted to give voice to women who are often marginalized and ignored um, from a very famous place in, a, in uh, the site of Pompeii. And just to think about life from their point of view, you know, their adventures, their loves, their hopes, their dreams. Now, am I right that I read somewhere that this is the first of a trilogy? Yes, that's right. So you can read it as a standalone. You know, I don't leave people hanging with like loads of unanswered questions at the end, which I just find annoying. But um, hopefully, you know, people will want to know what happens next to the characters. So yes, it's part of a trilogy. That's so cool. So Pompeii is a place, as you said, in the ancient world that really enthralls people. And I would say the majority of folks have probably watched at least one documentary about it. Um, but it still seems very mysterious. Can you kind of set the scene for what the women's lives were like in Pompeii? Like, how is the setting of this book? So the brothel itself in Pompeii is probably the most famous and most visited building on the whole site. It's incredibly well preserved. It's always packed with tourists um, in the daytime anyway. In the evening, if you go, it's, it's pretty empty and it's much more evocative and haunting then. But you go in, there's this narrow corridor. There are these five cells, these erotic frescoes on the walls. And it's very much the women are still kind of objectified. You know, people have a bit of a laugh about going to the brothel of Pompeii, etc., and I just felt this place is so famous, but the people who really lived there and experienced it, we don't hear about it from their point of view. Um, so that's what I wanted to do really, to imagine all the other aspects of their lives, not just the fact that they were prostituted, you know, we, we kind of know that, but what else would be going on in their lives? How would they have survived in that environment? Um, you know, so it takes in a lot of, of, of Pompeii itself because as they go out and about to bars, the forum, etc. Um, but yeah, it was it was to reimagine their lives. And it's partly based as well on the graffiti in the brothel. So we do know some of the women's names. Um, you know, one in particular, Victoria, she refers to herself as Victoria the Conqueror. She seems to have been quite a strong personality. So I certainly made her one in my book. So yeah, I mean, Pompeii is just this extraordinary place in that because Mount Vesuvius erupted and um, destroyed the town, but also preserved it in volcanic ash, you can actually walk down real Roman streets. You can go into a bar and see the marble counter with its sunken bowls where people serve food. You can go into these grand houses and see the most unbelievable mosaics and frescoes. I mean, it's stunning. It's absolutely exquisite. So it's not just about the brothel, the book, um, because Amara, the main character, her whole journey is to try and get her freedom so um you know so we go through sort of uh, the grander parts of Pompeii too 
Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your main character. I mean, it's, she's born to a wealthy doctor in Greece and then things don't go so well for her. Um, in, you know, the, the beginning of this book, you know, her dad passes and she's sold to a brothel. Can you tell us a little bit about the woman that we spend this book with? Yes. So Amara, I wanted to make her an outsider to this environment, much as the reader is an outsider and we see Pompeii through her eyes. So in the ancient world, if you completely ran out of money, if you became destitute, a way to sort of save yourself from starvation was to sell yourself or or have your family sell you into slavery. So that's what Amara does when uh, Amara's family does after her dad dies um, in Greece. Her mum sells her so that she, she at least will survive. Um, And that's how she ends up in the brothel. And because she's had this whole other life, you know, she's got this real fire to get out. She doesn't want to be there. Um, And she follows the routes that would have been available to enslaved people at the time, which is, you know, trying to get a richer class of patron, try to have somebody who would be interested enough to buy her freedom. Um, And she's in contrast to, so all the, 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 she's the main character and we kind of follow her her drive and her adventure to get out. But, you know, the, the other four women are really important to the story too. They, you know, their friendship is, is kind of the heart of it. So we've got Dido, who's very innocent, very sweet. She was abducted. That's how she ended up in slavery. And then the other three, Victoria, Cressa and Berenice, um, were all born enslaved, but again, had quite different roots into it as well. Um, Berenice is from Egypt. Victoria was something that was called a, a rubbish dump baby, which is awful. But in ancient Rome, people would just get rid of, of children and people would pick them up as as slaves. So she had a very harsh beginning, but she's a very feisty character. Um, although her outlook on life, even though she's also very fiery, is totally different from Amara's. Mm. Yeah, the the women in the story are are so interesting to follow along with because they don't necessarily have like autonomy of their body, but they all had agency in, in really uh, individual ways. Were there any themes that you were going for with womanhood? Because it, you kind of discuss age, obviously there's socioeconomic status, there's pregnancy. What things did you want people to see the women in Pompeii dealing with? I think all those things that you describe and, you know, one of the, which, which might, um, maybe sound a bit strange writing about Pompeii but when I was writing it I realized this is like a Pompeii version or anti-version of pretty woman in the sense of you know Amara trying to find a rich man who will rescue her but it's not a love story um or at least I'm questioning whether that situation ever can be a love story because if one person has all the power, certainly in the extent that the other is enslaved, but even in, in modern days, if you think of that, somebody who's really penniless, can they have an equal relationship with someone who's who's so much wealthier and more powerful? Um, and I mean, there's not an age discrepancy in, in, in that case in the book as well. But, you know, I do think that's something we're still grappling with as women, this idea of how we form our relationships and the power dynamic and, you know, the power dynamic between women you know the whole me too women who are desperate for work or for jobs who are taken advantage of by by men or even somebody like Amara who's a very forceful woman you know her situation is her situation you know she still doesn't doesn't hold many of the cards so there was there was that aspect and then as you say you know women's socioeconomic status has improved enormously since the ancient world um 
but there are still ways in which you know it is a disadvantage to be a woman and i think people will see parallels in that certainly in the sexism and the attitudes that the women encounter for being sexualized i think you know that's still very much a problem yeah i i'd agree and so truth be told i've been to pompeii and uh it was just so alluring reading this book because i can as you say picture the exact building um, that many of these events are taking place in. So it was really interesting to have that literally like tangible on paper. Um, and you said that Victoria the Congress is written there. What other true facts w- did you take away to embed in this book? I mean, so many. Even when I describe a building that's an imaginary one, I base it on, um, you know, <sighs> real things in Pompeii. So the harbour, we don't know what it looked like, um, but we've got frescoes of the harbour of the nearby town of Stabiae. So I based the Pompeii harbour on that. Um, You know, the bar, the Elephant Inn, that was a real inn that was literally opposite the brothel. Almost none of it survives now, but we have got archaeologists' records of when, you know, earlier it used to have this huge fresco of of an elephant on it, um, which I put in the book. And we even have the name of the landlord, Sitius. So I used the graffiti and real names and real places and real buildings into the book and wove them in. But I didn't want to get too sort of insanely bogged down with that. The only building that I was really meticulous about was the brothel. Um, because, you know, that is in such a great state of repair, you can go there. But a lot of the grand houses, you know, it would be quite hard to write a book and piece together exactly how that was. So I sort of took it, took it as a model. But and the graffiti as well, it's not just a literal thing. It's it's a kind of um, sense of what life was like. The words there, they're so lively, and they, they range from sort of rude and offensive to really quite poignant like there's a piece of graffiti written by a slave girl um, at the theater, at the corridor going into the theater, you know, praying for to Venus to look after her and her lover and, and keep them safe. Um, you know, so some of them are very touching. Some of them are funny. We've got guys in a bar, like writing graffiti to each other about who the barmaid fancies more. Um, so, and there's another one which somebody's written on the wall, um, lovers like bees lead a honeyed life and somebody else has replied, I wish. So um, basically what I took from all this stuff, even if I've not used it literally, is just the kind of feeling of Pompeii, the the way that people spoke, the way the buildings looked. And I have got one real historical um, character, which is Pliny the Elder, but I can't actually go into him too much without spoilers. But again, he's based, that character is based on his own writings because he has such a strong voice in the natural history. He's a really intriguing man. Um, And also a really wonderful book that I read um, called um, In the Shadow of Vesuvius by Daisy Dunn. Yeah, and also in the book, there's these particular moments that are are heartbreaking to read. Was there anything that was particularly hard for you to write? Yeah, I mean, parts of it were pretty upsetting because obviously when people are enslaved, they don't have control over their own lives. So even like less obvious things that you want to be with a particular person and you can't be, you know, that that that's common for lots of us that that can happen. But you know, the fact that you can't be because you're owned by somebody else, that that's a really 
tragic thing to think about. And that was the reality for so many people. I think one thing I would really want to make clear to anyone who's thinking of reading it is that I did not write explicit or graphic sex scenes at all. I couldn't have written that. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to write it. I wouldn't want to read it. You know, of course, you know, being prostituted uh, against their will was part of these women's lives. But we know that I didn't feel the need to describe it. I wanted to see how they dealt with that psychologically, how they survived, what else was going on in their lives, how they laughed, how they loved, how they how they coped with that. I didn't want to sugarcoat it and make out that this was fine. But equally, you know, there's really no need to dwell. We, we all know what that means, basically. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and leaning into that, I think a lot of what makes the book so comforting is how this group of she-wolves bands together was the theme of female friendship and support a, a big intimate part of writing this? Definitely. I wanted it to be a book, although Amara is the main character and she's the driver of the trilogy, you know, I wanted it to be about all five women. They're all important in their own right. And they also, like, nobody's got the right answer. They all deal with it in so, such different ways. So for Dido, you know, she was quite a difficult character to write because I really loved her she's such a nice person and she doesn't you know she's just too too sweet really and too innocent and it's just her life changed overnight at least Amara knew what was coming in being sold I mean I'm not saying that's great but you know uh, Dido was literally abducted by pirates which was quite common in the ancient world as well you know young women might just be be snatched or, or men too um yeah, so uh, you were saying about the, the relationship between them all. So yeah, they're all, they, they've all got, they could all be the lead character in the book, I guess is what I'm saying. They're, they're each equally important and they are so very different. Cressa, the one who's slightly older, she's got her own challenges. Um, Berenice, who's madly in love with somebody, I won't say who it is because that again could be a spoiler, you know, and the others make fun of her for this. Like, why is she in love with this hopeless guy? Um, yeah, so, but I I felt that's sort of ways that we all deal with life as well. You know, we're not all stuck in a, a brothel in, in Pompeii, but everyone's got their own priorities and their own ways of dealing with stuff. Mm. And is that one of the things that you think people are going to relate to when they read this? Because I think, you know, a lot of people, when they think about um, books based in times long ago, it's, will I relate to that woman? Yeah, absolutely. I think I did want to create female characters that people would recognize in themselves and their friends. And also one of the benefits of writing about the ancient world, as opposed to say medieval England, is because it's a totally different language. Mm. You know, you can write in a very contemporary way. And that's what I did. And if you read sort of modern translations of the classics that are being written now, they're written in a very slangy, um, you know, contemporary way. Um, because you know, for the people living there, that was the, the present, that was, they, they were at the cutting edge, you know, that this was the latest thing, so it wasn't oldie-worldie for them, um, and I didn't want to make it that way in the book, I wanted it to have some kind of punch and feel, you know, the sort of thing that you could imagine in a, in a hard-hitting TV show of action-packed and character-driven. Yeah, I definitely didn't feel bogged down by language at all. It was it was a wonderful read. Did did your relationship to these characters change as you went? And obviously, you're going to be um, 
putting out two more books and I don't know what process you're in. Are they outlined? Are they, are you feeling like you might change things around because of what you've written now, or is it going to be set in stone? So one of the things that really did change for me while I was writing it, um, although I didn't change the plot, but just changed how I wrote it, was Felix, the brothel owner. You know, he he comes across at first as an out-and-out villain, but actually that's not very interesting. Um, So he has a lot of complexity. There are reasons for why he's such a bad person. Um, And I I didn't want to fall into the trap either of having him because he's, I made him very, very attractive, very charismatic, very funny, as well as being obviously violent and completely heartless. Like the man has no, no compassion. Um, And, you know, it would be so easy to fall into the trap of wanting to give him a big redemption arc that he's saved by the love of a good woman or anything like that. So I didn't want to sort of be glorifying toxic relationships. But at the same time, I didn't want to make him simply a monster. So his relationship with Amara in particular is really complicated because in order to become free, she has to, in many ways, become more like him, which then you reflect back on thinking, how did Felix get to this point? What what difficulties did he have in his life? Why has he become such a sort of violent man? It's because he comes from a violent world, you know, and that's all he's known. So, you know, and he's highly intelligent and you, Felix could almost have been the hero if he'd have just been that little bit different or had some other opportunities. He might not have turned out that way. So the Amara-Felix relationship is 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 the one that is most fluid for me in writing this trilogy because they are one another's nemesis in so many ways. Um, but apart from that, I have to be honest, I have mapped it out quite strongly because I think you have to do that in a trilogy. Otherwise you could end up with a big mess at the end. So I know exactly how it ends, you know, the last scene where, how it gets there. Um, but yeah, some of the, some of the aspects of how it gets there will, will probably shift in emphasis as, as I go along. And I'm partway through book two at the moment. It's called The House with the Golden Door. Oh, that's so interesting. I've always wondered what it's like to, to have to get that all out on paper and then put it out. <laughs> yeah time um so where did you start with this book did you just wake up one night with a fever dream like I'm gonna write about Pompeii I mean honestly almost in the sense that once I had the idea of oh it'd be nice you know I wanted to write about the ancient world and then you know thinking about different parts of it and the brothel's obviously so famous and initially I kind of dismissed that idea because I think it's very easy to have a set idea about what a book set in a brothel might be like But then I thought, what if I wrote a totally different sort of book to what one might expect? You know, not all kind of giggling, scantily clad women and loads of sex, but actually something else that's asking questions about how people live their lives. You know, what we all have in common, you know, across centuries. And, you know, just because the women were prostituted doesn't mean that their experiences are somehow completely alien to everything that everyone else goes through at all. You know, this was just one aspect of of their lives. They were fully rounded people. So once I had that idea that I could do something different with it, to take something very well known, but look at it in a different way, that was what really excited me. Um, And then, you know, creating the characters and, as I say, the dynamic between Amara and Felix is is kind of the driver for, for the trilogy because I felt like this was something slightly different to do as well you know uh, I'm not saying it's never been done before obviously it has you know the, the sort of nemesis relationship has but you know a relationship that's not romantic but isn't unromantic at the same time it's it's a they have a very powerful dynamic together and the, the sort of love hate 
that's going on. Mm. What type of research did you have to do and did you do traveling in order to get it done? So the research that I did, um, I studied English literature at Oxford, as, as you mentioned, and I also studied Latin. So I did that as part of my, I studied it up until university and then I continued it as part of my degree. So a lot of the research I'd done already in the sense that I'd read an awful lot of books by Roman writers and loved that world and it, it felt very familiar world to me. Um, so, you know, that, that was kind of years worth of research before I even started. And then specifically for Pompeii, you know, there are some amazing books. Mary Beard's Pompeii is obviously very famous and I relied on that um, heavily. Um, you know, there are more specialist academic texts. There's one that's actually been written about the brothel. So it's got an appendix of all the graffiti that's ever been recorded there. So, you know, things like that. But really, you know, going to the site was so important. Going to the site and going to the Museum of Naples, which, um, you know, was just incredible. The, the frescoes and the paintings and the objects that are on display there, the mosaics, it's exquisite. Mm -hmm. So both those things. Yeah. Did you have a favorite or most difficult part to write as you were going through or a favorite character that it was every time there's a scene like this, I just love it? Yeah, I like the women having a laugh together. I found the humorous scenes just such a joy to write when they're, you know, even when they're laughing about very difficult or dark things, I just love those women. Um, and they, they sort of spar off each other. And they almost felt like real people to me, you know, because they there's there's a scene when Amara has a particular experience with a client. I won't say what it is because that would spoil it. And she kind of makes a joke of it. And just then all the different women's reactions and, and how they feel about it. And that was one of my favorite scenes to write, which isn't like the most dramatic scenes. I mean, there are very sort of high drama scenes in the book. Um which, you know, are interesting to write for, for another reason. But I liked the lightness that, that contrasted with the shade. And also, there are certain respites in the book when we, again, I don't want to give away too much, when we're outside the brothel, when we're in other places. And I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed reimagining, actually, some of the ancient festivals, because we have a lot of information about, say, how the Festival of Venus, the different festivals of Venus were... Um, were practiced and you know prostituted women were like a key part of this ceremony they, they carry their flowers through the streets and you know make offerings to the the goddess um we don't know a huge amount about how it was based but I kind of based it both on latin writings and if you think about in southern europe some of the um sort of cult parades for the Virgin Mary where you get a statue paraded through the streets which I've seen so I kind of based it on on those things. I liked writing that as well. Wow. Well, this was such an enjoyable read and I cannot wait for people to go pick it up and read it. It came out just yesterday, May 13th. So it is available. Can you tell us where people can find your book and where they can find you? Okay. Yes. So um, my book, if you're listening from the States or from Canada, um, there's an amazing um, bookshop in the UK called Blackwell's, uh, Blackwell's Books. And they sell the book at a huge discount and also have free shipping to the US um, and, you know, pretty much everywhere abroad. So if you want to buy it and you're not in the UK, that is definitely the place to go. And they're an online retailer um, as well as, you know, having established shops. So that's Blackwell's. 
Um, if you're in the UK, you can buy it literally in any bookshop. Waterstones in particular have a special edition with some exclusive material I wrote about the history of the place and the people. Um, so that's a special um, edition. And you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, and my website is ledharper.com. So you can find, find me through that. Awesome. Well, it was so great to speak to you. We're on a big time difference here, but it was... <laughs> Thank you for putting up with the awful time difference. I really appreciate it. And it's well, so nice to meet you. Oh, it was so nice to meet you too. This is such a blast. I can't wait until the next two come out. Now I have to sit around and wait for it. <laughs> well, you'll inspire me to keep going knowing you want to read it. That's really nice. Thank you. Yeah. And then we'll have to have you back two more times. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. That would be great. Thank you for asking such interesting questions. Oh, well, thank you for writing such an interesting book. And I just hope everybody goes out and gets this for their nice summer book clubs or some beach reading or even just in the bathtub with a glass of wine. It's a great one. listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye